Good morning. I want to welcome you all to Memorial United Methodist. I want to say thank you for braving the weather. I'll say thank you to our um, leadership. Our leadership at 9 came out early when the weather wasn't great. We had a great crowd at 9. I'm grateful to you all, the worship leaders, for coming out and people in the back, people who are uh, faithfully coming to make sure that we have the things that we need. I'm grateful for that. Um, a couple of announcements. Since you came in on the rain, I'm going to give you a couple of good newses of the week. Um, turn in your bulletin to where... It says, Attendance and Financial Report. You can see this every week of what the previous week was. I want you to see what the worship number was last week, and I want you to see that our needed for budget exceeded our received for budget. I'm sorry, reverse that. That we are really closing in on that. That that is um, rising dramatically uh, on both ends, and I'm grateful for y'all's dedication on both ends to coming and to investing in what we're doing here at Memorial. Um, more good news for the week. Uh, we had 10 families sign up for our Memorial membership exploratory classes. I'm grateful for that. If you would like to explore membership here at Memorial, I want you to um, put in the attendance register when it goes out, um, membership class and your contact info, and we'll get you there. We're gonna tailor the um, schedules of the people. Um, tailor the meetings to the schedules of the people. Um, also, this Wednesday, we have uh, pumpkins. Katie, do you want to say something about the pumpkins? Come on up. While Katie's telling you, I'll tell you, we have our um, first Wednesday dinner this Wednesday, um, and it really helps out uh, Sheila and the Chocolate Toad if we let them know that we're coming. We let them know a fairly accurate number. Um, so if you want to attend Wednesday dinner, um, please make sure you do that. And if you, um, we'll put it out there on Facebook and email as well. Katie loves pumpkins. If you could have seen her six weeks ago when we first brought them up, the twinkle in her eye was the first twinkle I saw in my time here. I do love the pumpkins. The pumpkins arrive this Wednesday around 4.30, and we would love some help unloading them from the huge truck that they're delivered on. So if you can help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. Just show up around 4.30 this Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. And there, uh, we've got fixed times that we're going to be selling them. We've got schools that are coming to look at them uh, and, and uh, more people coming on our campus, which is a tremendous thing. Um, sermons. I printed more sermons. We got, I got that um, feedback last time. Um, so you can get a copy of what I have if you're hard of hearing every Sunday um, on the back, in the back. In the, um, there's, a, there's a framed thing that has a Bible in it. You can get it on top of that um, every Sunday morning. Um, we are not having programming tonight. We just figured we'd be safe. Um, so we won't have children or youth or adult programming. And classes resume next week. Uh, Bobby, if you've been coming to Bob's class, his wife Bobby is going to be teaching us. So it'll be a totally different style and subject. And looking forward to that. Um, with that uh, being said, I believe that's everything. Let's um, turn our hearts towards the Lord.
us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this place where we may come and worship outside of the weather. We consider those who do not have such cover. And we pray as those who are armed in this state by this weather this week and the weeks to come that we as um, your family will reach out to them with our prayers, with our words, with our hands. That we can support them as your loving hands on this earth. Bless our time together, our baptism, our communion, our scripture, our prayers, our hymns, that they may honor and glorify you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you're able for number 618. faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting.
come in. Please be seated. Every time a new minister comes, each time you do a new thing, you need to talk about it, how we do it. So we have a baptism today, so I want you to turn to page 39 in your hymnal. The thing I love about the United Methodist Church is the commitment of the congregation in nearly every aspect of what we do. The commitment to support whatever action we are taking. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present John Brockman Barbary for baptism. In the second baptismal covenant, the family has an opportunity to make a pledge, and the congregation has an opportunity to make a pledge. And because we've already affirmed our faith, we don't do that part. And then at the end, we're going to sing a song, uh, number 611, in the back of the hymnal. The choir is going to teach it to us while I turn my microphone off with that. On behalf of the whole church, I ask all of you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness Reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? We nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, to profess his faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. Congregation, we now turn to you for number eight. Do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround this child with a community of love and forgiveness that he may grow in his service to others. We will pray for him that he may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life.
Look now, please, to the thanksgiving over the water. The Lord be with you. And, Lord and also with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing, Sing to, to the Lord, all the earth. Tell, tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare, Declare his, his works to the nations, his glory among all people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and he who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in his final victory. He can have it. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen. Hey, buddy. Oh, big boy. Hey. <laughs> John Brockman Barbary, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, sorry, buddy. You say, hey. Hey. You say, hey. gather around and see if you can put your hand on him and if you can't put your hand on someone who's putting your hand putting their hand on him John Brockman Barbary the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the spirit you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ Amen look at number 16 with me Members of the household of God, I commend this family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ, and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. None of us are bystanders. 
we're all participating in this covenant together. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may live in grace and peace. Congregation, please turn to page 611 and the choir is going to teach us the first and last verse. back to the church. <laughs> this morning's first reading is from Psalms 101. It is uh, King David's profession of faith to God, of godliness, and uh, it is his outline of how he intends to manage his, his, his house, his business. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come to me? I will conduct the affairs of my house with a blameless heart. I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part of it. The perverse of heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with what is evil. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, I will put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not tolerate. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. The one whose walk is blameless will minister to me. That's the word of God for the people of God. People walked back and forth between our buildings all morning long in the rain. They were dry because of your generosity, because we had nice covered walkways, and I'm grateful for that. Let's give generously our tithes and other offerings.
We're continuing our series this week um, out of the book of the five practices of faithful congregations. This is from a bishop in the Midwest, Bishop Snazy. He said, a church doing these five things is going to be uh, have a very positive impact on its community regardless of its size. And today our focus is intentional faith development. I love that there's a word in front of the word every time. You know, we could say, yeah, we focus on faith development, but intentional faith development. We have a process that we are developing that we are going to use every single time to build people up so that they know more about their faith. Here's a first quote from the book. Churches that practice intentional faith development offer high-quality learning experiences that help people understand Scripture, faith, and life in the supportive nurture of caring relationships. So if you're starting with Scripture, if you say, how um, did our church develop a number of things that we're doing in worship? Well, you can look in the back in the letters to the churches. And in those letters, you have a person who uh, started the church or helped lead the process of starting a church but could no longer stay there and had to write letters to that church to encourage it to do the things that it needs to do. He said, um, uh, in, in our terms, don't fight over the carpet so much, the color of it. Don't argue over who is more important, the one who started the church or the one who is here now. Do focus on the things that Jesus told us to focus upon. Um, it, you know, as a, this is my 15th year of ministry. It's difficult to communicate your purpose to a church in the church, being there. I think it would be especially difficult to do it solely with the use of a letter. But these letters give us great indication of not only what the people were struggling with, but what the author wanted those people to do in the very first churches after Jesus. Of course, you don't know about the letters. You know, why do the letters exist unless you're looking at the Gospels? Looking at the Gospels, you're seeing four um, similar, but also a good bit different takes on the life of Jesus on this earth. As a human being struggling with what human beings struggle with all the time, and declaring God's Word directly to them, sort of the opposite of the letters. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to tell you. Of course, you can't, you can't understand fully the Gospels unless you look back a little bit to the prophets. You look at the prophets and you see people who were sent by God to the people to explain God's will to them regardless of the circumstances. You're in your nation and your nation is prospering? Great. There's still principles I want you to follow. You've been banished from your nation and you're in exile 500 miles away and may never see it again? Yes, that's painful. But I still want you to live the life that I want you to live wherever you are. You may never see the temple again, but you're going to see the synagogue. Of course, in order to understand the prophets, you have to look back a little bit further and understand the law and the history. Establishing the relationship with the people and telling them, this is how I want you to order your society. Of course, before you ever did that, 
God created places for them and loved them first, and created, created opportunities, and then talked about, here's a structure. So if you started your life with Scripture, you could see a ton of things that are immediately practical to your life. The Bible's intimidating. It's intimidating to clergy. So I know it's intimidating to you as if I were to break out the tax code and try to, and try to um, understand it. But it's significant. And you wouldn't believe how many resources have come along just in my lifetime in technology of looking at the Scripture. Of course, when you're looking at the Scripture together, you start to learn about the faith of the people over thousands of years, regardless of the circumstances that were going up and down. And those people described their faith. They struggled with it. But they also declared their faith in the midst of great joy and great pain. And understanding Scripture and understanding their faith, then they talked about life. What are we to do in life? Because I remember my cadre sergeant at the Citadel in the summer of 96 saying, no plan survives contact with the enemy. You can draw it up the best you uh, want. But when you get out into the thing that you're actually doing, you're not accounting for rain or bad weather or there's another event in town or whatever may happen. And you're going to have to take the plan that you had, which is important, and adapt it. What I think is great about the quote is that it says, Scripture, faith, and life. What I think is hard about the human condition is that we do it backwards. We base most everything we're doing on our life. And if our life is going wildly up and down, we figure God is going wildly up and down and may not care. Well, if we base what we think about God on our life, the ups and downs, and then we base our faith on that, then we may get some really whacked out expectations. Or we may start to believe that God is not concerned about us or does not love us or does not provide for us. Because the thing that we're immediately seeing five feet in front of us this very second. When we feel that way, we may not even want to turn to Scripture because why would I want to turn to a God that's going up and down like this in my life? But if we do, we may find uh, it's not helpful. We may find that um, if you go to the Bible looking for something, you can find it. Regardless of what it is. If you make the Scripture small enough... It's, um, in seminary, they talked about proof texting. I have an idea, and I'm just going to go find it in Scripture. Which is one of the great human tragedies, as we say. Um, you saw humans go up to Jesus constantly. Hey, can you go ahead and affirm the thing that I'm already believing? Because that'd be great. And then we don't even have to do anything, or change anything, or say anything, or stop saying things. Look at that order. Scripture, faith, and life. With that in mind, let's look at Acts chapter 2. It's in your Bible on page 1694. Acts is one of the great sequels of humankind. Not many great sequels out there in books or movies. But Acts is the sequel to Luke, most likely written by the same person. And it picks up after Jesus' uh, resurrection. And it shows the conflict that the people experienced immediately afterwards. Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. What's the first thing they did? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they had to learn without Jesus being present. If you went solely based on what was going on in life, Jesus was crucified and now He's left us if we don't understand the story. Why would we want to do this? Why would we want to follow Jesus? The first thing they did was devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Verse 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So I knew that weather would be a factor today. And I knew that it would hit us hard. I didn't know how hard, but I knew that it would hit us. The thing I said at 9 o'clock is, um, weather is one thing. Imagine if we had people on uh, Maine, uh, this church, and what's this? Ballinger. I just live here, right? I walk. I don't drive much. Uh, Maine church in Ballinger with bats. And they were prepared to harm us if we wanted to come to church today. How do you think that would affect attendance? If we were physically threatened for wanting to come here. Because that's what these people are experiencing. Because the people who are physically threatening them are the same people who wanted Jesus to be gone. And their best case scenario would be to wipe out this movement altogether. In the midst of that, they are gathering together, sacrificing what they have, and having faith in the process. Belief in Jesus Christ. They are reinvesting despite what they see with their eyes. It says, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily who were being saved. They're taking their scripture and they're taking their faith and they're interacting with their life and growing. Now, a little bit. I think this is a little bit funny because I've been in a number of different churches. And if you look back, a number of times they'll say, you know, back then that was when it was perfect. No one had any conflict whatsoever. The place was flourishing and it was the most amazing thing that ever happened. I don't even remember anything that went wrong. Of course, in that time, what were people saying? You know, back back then that was when the church was something you always remember a little bit better looking backward and so I think it's funny to look back and say every single person got along perfectly there was no conflict of any kind but surely it was mostly that because you had some faithful people willing to risk everything now learning on your own is one thing you can certainly do it there are a number of different resources but learning as a group, however big that group is, gives you different um, perspectives. Gives you reason to get up and come. Gives you inspiration that you can do this and study and read and progress. The last quote of the day is, Learning in community replicates the way Jesus deliberately taught His disciples. His followers grew in their understanding of God and matured in their awareness of God's will for their lives as they listened to Jesus' stories, instructions, and lessons while gathering around the dinner tables, on hillsides, and at the temple. So math majors out there, how many of those were at the worship space? What percentage? 33. 
33% of their learning occurred in the worship space. 66% of their learning occurred somewhere else. So I encourage you. I, I love when people come to worship. And I love worship. I love all its aspects. But I want to encourage you to find ways to make up that other 66%. So when we gather here, we've got a better understanding. And I'll tell you what my commitment is to that. Um, we've got great classes already for all different sorts of age levels on multiple days. And we have technology. We have the sermon uh, from or the whole worship service from both services out there. And I'll tell you, our seniors in this church are the most technically sound I've ever seen in a church. They have their iPads and they're watching it. They're watching the service and I'm grateful for that. And so um, I pledge once I'm, uh, you know, once we're settled and we know what we're doing, I mean, that's a funny thing to say, isn't it? <laughs> Will you ever be settled and know what you're doing? But once we're closer to that, I pledge to find ways to also have digital access for people to have faith development throughout the week in whatever way, shape, or form that we can do it. Because it's critical to start our life with Scripture, to build our faith, and then interact with our life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Twelve in your hymnal. The same fact occurs to me in this sacrament as it does with baptism, is that we say things corporately together. Notice what every single person is saying. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against Your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Please turn to the great thanksgiving on page 13. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by its blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now with the, children, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to call those who are serving to come forward. We have an amazing abundance of retired clergy in our congregation. And it's my great pleasure to use them in the um, baptismal sacrament and in Holy Communion. Come, come all the way up. This is John Rush. I don't know if y'all have met. John is one of our faithful um, clergy that loves to visit. And it's um, my great pleasure to serve communion with him. We're doing new things since you served it so frequently. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. Um, we'll serve you by ushers bringing you forward and um, kneeling here. If you'll, They'll prepare you to be at that corner. And if you are the start of that corner, if you'll come here to this corner. We have gluten-free elements at um, the inside corner. And if you go anywhere on here, if you'll just grab it before you go there to make sure that you have it. Jesus took very, very common things like water, bread, and wine and made the very special things out of them. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the cup. He gave thanks. He said, this is my covenant poured out for you and for many. A new opportunity, a new promise in which we are all engaged. Do this as often as you drink it 
in remembrance of me. I'm going to call the choir forward first, please.
you have shown us the example of being sacrificially loving to others regardless of the circumstances. We are grateful to be invited to the table and we pledge to take this provenient grace that you have handed to us and share it throughout this week. Amen. If you will stand as you're able for our last hymn, number 138.
So I'd be hard-pressed to find more meaningful things within one worship service than to overcome obstacles to gather together to proclaim the Word, to show provenient grace with the love of a child and the support and the commitment of that growth to gather around the common table for service to the community. Bless you as you leave this place and may your Scripture guide your faith to impact your life. Amen.